0: Before we begin this episode of Rate That Album, I want to point out that we are going to be discussing some difficult themes uh, around abuse and alleged horrible actions. We are going to be taking a comedic route on our conversations. This is not condone or make light of the subject matter that may come up during this podcast understand that we are here to entertain you. However, I wanted to put a warning. Myself and Joe wanted to put out a warning, I should say, before we begin, letting you know that yes, some dark subject matter may come up. Viewer discretion is advised, and we are in no way condoning or making light of the horrible allegations and actions that may come up during this podcast. Thank you for understanding and listening and supporting us. Enjoy the podcast. And now, Rate That Album, Season 3, with Paul Muadib and Joe Freming. Two guys who know stuff. Hi, and welcome back to Rate That Album, the back and forth podcast review with myself, Paul Muadib, and my wonderful, beautiful, amazing friend, Joe Freming. Joe, how are you this evening, sir? Steven Siegel is fucking nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he is. Steven Siegel. Yes, Joe. We are um, into the shit again. Uh, We are not only doing a horrible album, but we're digging into my uh, fetish when it comes to music, as it were, which is um, actors... And people who have no business making musical albums, making musical albums. And here we are with one that not a lot of people know was created. Steven Seagal did, did not only one album, but two. And we're doing his debut album, Songs from the Crystal Cave. Not pretentious at all. Joe, how did you get familiar with Steven Seagal? The, the rabbit hole of YouTube
1: and uh, online articles <coughs> about uh, how fucking nuts he is. Mm-hmm. Um, the album itself is a confusing mess of <laughs> him uh, doing reggae songs at some points with a Jamaican accent. Um, he tries to rap at some points. <laughs> sure does. Um, it sounds a lot like late '90s Eric Clapton. I have that in my notes as well, which yep. is just uh, terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this was this was uh, it was a fun experience, <laughs> but the music is. Uh, we've debate, you know. We you don't agree
0: with it, but this is my. It was worse than Pat Boone. The music was so. I'm going to pull the curtain back for, for the audience a little bit here. I will say, Joe, this is the first podcast in the two years that you and I have been – in two and a half years you and I have been podcasting. We actually talked a lot about it before getting into the podcast, right?
1: There's uh, so much to go. There really <laughs> There is. is so much about – and people wondering why we've pronounced his name differently. Stephen Siegel and Stephen Seagal is because there's debate on whether the pronunciation is
0: correct, which one
1: he uses now.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, There is actual debate where uh, people from his family say it's Siegel, not Seagal. Um, Yeah. So I know we're getting in like kind of the craziness joke, but before we get there, Really, what was your first brush with Steven Seagal on, like, as a kid or whatever?
1: Oh, seeing uh, Under Siege. Okay. Okay. Uh, And my brother had the Hard to Kill poster in his room, but, like, I was so young. Like, I mean, this was, like, 80, so I was never going to be allowed to see that at that age. But Mm -hmm. my dad let me watch Under Siege. And I'll still say, Under Siege is a fun action movie. He did make fun action movies for
0: a while. Mm, Yes, he did.
1: And then, they, then he started becoming the king of straight-to-DVD, like long before Bruce Willis and the Red Box uh,
0: shit. Yes. So, funny, we're learning a lot about me in these podcasts. <laughs> out. I grew up in a very interesting household, and we've talked a little bit about our upbringings, um, you know, both of us watching Twin Peaks at a much younger ages than we should have. So, my father was a Marine— who was super strict. And my mother was a nurse who was a hippie. Okay. So what was really interesting is a lot of times I'd have movie nights with my mom and movie nights with my dad, um, because my mom worked overnights and my dad was a traveling salesman. So he was gone a lot. Now my dad had this policy of no sex. We're not going to watch any movie with sex, but you can watch all the violence you want. And my mom was the opposite. My mom would get like a lot of these 80s, 90s, thrillers that had a lot of softcore elements to them um a lot of like Mickey Rourke movies Jan Michael Vincent movies um that type of thing um those thrillers that were really sensual so like am and- My parents did not conversate about these things. So I'm being exposed to both of them. So in 1988, my dad rents Above the Law, (laughs) his first movie from the video store because he wants to see this. So I saw Above the Law when I was seven years old. I saw Hard to Kill when I was nine years old, Out to Justice. like I saw basically every single Seamus Seagal movie up till Under Siege, no, Executive Decision. Ah, uh, executive decision. Come, glimmer man. I started getting like I didn't watch them, um, so that was my thing. Like, and I remember, um, uh, above the law was was the one I really actually liked that movie. <laughs> I mean, it had Pam Greer in it. It there was just a lot of stuff going on out there. Um, and then Marked for Death was another really good one. Um, so that was my. Because um, I remember *Mark for Death*, the, the the screw job and that whole thing. And like, again, I'm going to give a spoiler to a 22 year old movie, um, where they had um, the it's it's two villains. It's you know they think they're doing Jamaican magic, and it's which is really offensive when you think about it. But really, it's two villains, and that was a really cool thing. So Steven Seagal did do his early work, some really good stuff.
1: Yep, I mean, *Under Siege*, you have to remember it has. Tommy Lee Jones mm-hmm. at his craziest yes. with Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Gary Busey, when he, I believe he dresses in drag.
0: He does dress in drag. Yeah, because
1: he okay. shoots the. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, he was on a roll like. Of all the stuff that's come up, nothing will be taken away from Steven Seagal's legacy is that he did make some
0: entertaining
1: action movies.
0: He did. He did early, early stuff again. Mm-hmm. And then we got like, I remember executive decision. That's when I knew. Like it was, he's starting to go bad because that's the one where like, he's in the movie for like the first 20 minutes. And, and then, and then like, he's gone. And I was like, cause I don't even think they could handle him. Like knowing what we know now um they couldn't handle him because that's the one that's the john leguizamo story and we'll get to that well as our friend john tron said you know steven seagal he was a badass he was putting asses in seats and his only thing he had to do was not be crazy offset and he couldn't do that right could he joe no god no he couldn't (laughs) his story is
1: nuts. Uh-huh. Uh, his, uh, you know, he lived in Japan. Mm-hmm. He became uh, a master at Aikido. Is that a it? It's a keto, which Aikido, which
0: there's there's but dubious things with Aikido as well. Dubious
1: things about that, but basically, at least what I've understood, his version of Aikido is very much, you know, self-defense in that he's using the person's momentum, like, against them so like when you see him now and he's all like fat and he's got like his magic marker down hair and <laughs> you know his bad dye job beard and he's like you know he's wheezing but he's just throwing people around and it looks it's that's what his, his take on akito
0: is is self-defense by using people's momentum against them so and that is the essentially akito now yeah. i took um, you know, when we were in school, I hung out with Boss Hart. I hung out with our with Eli. Eli was in like three forms of martial arts. Hart was in two. Um, I was in um Shotokan and a he little and Joe bit. Joe were in yep. Taekwondo. You and Joe were in Taekwondo. Yeah. So we all have like this martial arts background. Okay. So the thing with Aikido is Aikido a is like uh tai chi or wang uh wing whatever the fuck that thing is where it's more of a meditation practice than it is an a true martial arts yeah it and does have elements of martial arts in it it does it does but i've seen aikido masters i, I watched this actually this, this aikido master guy who was saying um he was um met with this mma guy and he was like, I knew I probably wasn't going to win, but I figured I win at least one of a couple of our ma- uh, matches. And he said, and he was a like seventh level, uh, Akito, which is what, um, Steven Seagal is. And he, um, lost every single match because the way that Akito is taught, it's not practical. The way that people grab you and the way that it's done is not yeah. Like you're it never. Almost gonna, looks performative. It's
1: uh, performative. Very beautifully done. Like if there's like video of Seagal like in the '70s in Japan, and it looks really cool. He's just kind of like throwing these people around, and he has like these weird sideburns going. Ah, uh, yeah. But I mean, in street fights, martial arts kind of is rough anyway. Even like with MMA, because mm-hmm. it's it's more grappling and brawling than. You know, self defense is self defense. So you're relying on somebody to, you know, strike you in a traditional way. Where in MMA, you're just bam, you get grappled to the ground
0: fairly quick. Yes, and the way that it's done, and you know, you talk about it, where the idea, the true idea of a keto, is more about mental than yes, you're taught some things, but it's more about the idea of being prepared to defend yourself and like getting out of the way it's not really again it's not a prat it's not a practical martial arts like like taekwondo and shotokan and all those things it's Um, still a beautiful it's a beautiful martial art it is it is but are you a badass because you're a seventh level of keto that's where no, sort of the, the dubiousness of him because he wasn't his take a little more violent. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So it's not that, you know, he's just like doing performative stuff. He incorporates uh, more aggressive tactics in his version.
0: Well,. And let's get into that a little bit because there's a lot of – now, we're going to preface this, and I actually – This is going to be a long fucking podcast. This is going to be a long podcast. We've got a lot to cover, man. We we do. So just just, strap in, people, because you're in for a fucking ride. (laughs) I'm going to start this off by saying we – I put a disclaimer – Um, at the beginning of this podcast, letting you know that there is trigger warnings. We're going to be talking about uncomfortable subjects. We're going to try and be as serious about it because me and Joe are very much in line with, we do not agree with these things. So we're going to, we're not going to really focus on that. We're not going to forgive Steven Gall, but we're going to try and look at this from a humorous lens as much as we can. There's a lot of, there's a lot of dark
1: with Steven Seagal story. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of weird, funny shit. Yes. yes Yes. for no reason he's you know if i were to guess i would say he's probably a a pathological liar he can't stop
0: i think so i think he lies about the weirdest shit the The weirdest shit so So, let's get this out of the way as far as his violent things go he has been known and is hated by stuntmen um for injuring people on set yeah just to be a fucking asshole it's called Tagging, where yeah. you actually hit Stuntmen. People probably are more familiar
1: with this now because Once Upon a Time in Hollywood showed the scene with Bruce Lee and uh, Brad Pitt's character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he throws Lee into the car. And there's like the controversy about that. But, you know, Tarantino's movies aren't documentaries, they're popcorn entertainment. Mm-hmm. But that's where it kind of, kind of like most people now kind of know that tagging is when you actually hit people. Bruce Lee was. Allegedly known to do that on the Green Hornet set. and My understanding is once he was told that the stunt people really hate it, he was like, oh, shit. And he stopped.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like a normal person. Steven Seagal would be told this shit and he wouldn't care. Yep. Yeah. No, 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 no. He was known for breaking people's arm. Michael Jai White um, was a stuntman at one point. And um, like. There was discussions about this, like when he came on set and people were warning him. And I guess he went and like basically told Steven Seagal, You fucking do this, and I will unload on you. And steven seagal being the alleged bitch that he is. Again, everything we're saying here, I'm preferencing this right now, is allegedly, unless we can otherwise state it happen. Um so yeah. Um so let's yeah, so he
1: starts in Japan hmm starts a dojo so he's one of the first uh allegedly because there's even dispute about this white people who
0: own a run a, a dojo in japan yeah well let's start even before that because let's start about where he was born joe because there's debate on that
1: <laughs> <laughs> well you know paul kind of like to connect with this uh podcast with the music you know he allegedly told interviewers that he was in black blues bands in the 1950s yes he He was was was. born in
0: 1952 yep 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 (laughs) yes he he, that's uh, I actually have it right here so he did an AMA on Reddit and it is the best thing in the world and he he said um, yep um, I was started playing guitar in Detroit in the 50s and was in an all black band Okay, so, so, and the thing is, is he was born in Lansing, Michigan. He says that he's a, he calls himself, quote, and this is a quote, Russian mongrel, that his dad was Russian, um, yet he went to Japan because I think it was his mother supposedly had Japanese blood, which she denies. Um, okay, so yes, yeah, so at some point he ends up in fucking Japan. Um, after being married, yep. wait, he said he learned blues in the deep South in Georgia when he was a kid. But the thing is he lived in Lansing, Michigan. And then when he was like four or five moved to fucking Fullerton, California and attended high school there. Um, so he never did learn the blues in Georgia. Go on Joe. (laughs) Yeah. Married in Japan and had multiple children. Yes. uh, I believe his wife's
1: father helped finance his dojo. Allegedly. I'm I began. He convinces her that he wants to be a star and he's gonna go get his break in the United States. Yep. And they
0: married in 1975 and had yep. And he moves back to the United States, moves, I believe, to Hollywood. Yes.
1: Moves to California. North Hollywood. Yep. North Hollywood. Where he proceeds to get married again while he's still married to his wife. Allegedly still married to his wife in Japan.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. He got remarried while well, his wife was still in Japan running their dojo and raising their two children. Yeah. And, yeah. There's,
1: and we'll just, there's a uh, allegedness of abuse with his wife in the United States. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. gloss over that. There is dark
0: shit. Dark shit. That. Dark shit with that. Lots of allegations. Um the yep, he married that woman. So he was married to the other one. He married Adrian LaRussa. They were married for only a couple of months. Um, and then got and then got divorced because she found out he was already married. Um then he divorced his wife from the United States in Japan, leaving his kids there and leaving them there. Um, and in 1986, because he became obsessed with Kelly LeBrock and married her. And Joe, what's the Kelly LeBrock story, sir? Well, there's a few of them. My favorite is
1: he allegedly... <laughs> <and> like... <laughs> I I just came so I can't substantiate it, but this is it's out there in YouTube, so it's not like whatever he allegedly had her uh, Lamborghini stolen, so he could use the insurance money to pay bills. Yes, I don't know the veracity, <laughs> you know. I don't know if that's true. It seems crazy. He also his rise to Hollywood. There's also, allegedly, allegations that he had connections with the Gambino crime family in New York.
0: Yes, yes, there I is don't, allegations.
1: I don't put a lot of weight into that theory. Because mm-hmm. uh, in the late, especially in the 80s and into the 90s, the mob was in disarray. I don't think they'd be... And they really did not have much pull in California. Mm-hmm. They're mostly... If you read up on the mob, they're mostly... New York, New Jersey, that area, especially around that time, because they're making their money off of uh, union contracts and carding and waste management and, you know, uh, you know, loan sharking and shit like that. I don't see them getting involved with Steven Seagal, but that story is out there.
0: Yes. Yes. That story is out there. Absolutely. Correct. That story is out there. Um, And, there's definite debate on that. Like they do talk about like I, one of the big things I think that gets a lot of credence is people wonder how Stagall was getting financed through all of this. And one of the things going back to his Japan thing that they talked about was how popular his his Japan Aikido school was. Well, it wasn't his. It was his wife's um, and her father's. Um, and one of the big things that people talked about is, peop- the white people, Americans that lived in Japan, that's the only place they could get in to learn martial arts because the uh, Japanese culture, especially at that time, is very—I don't want to say xenophobic, Joe—but there's like I saw signs where it said, you know, no
1: whites. Yes. In certain dojos, and that's just. You know, that's their culture at the time. Like, again, it's so they would go to his dojo and
0: learn his take on Aikido, his, even that, though he's not there, even though he's not there. And I like how you said his take. And I will say there's some credence to that there is a buddy of ours well not of ours that I knew um, shortly after we graduated. He learned Japanese because he wanted to live there and teach English. So he went to Japan and everything was cool. Like we're like, awesome. He's living his dream. And eight months later he's back. And we're like, why the, why are you back? And he goes, they asked me to leave. He said they were really cool with the fact when I was there, like teaching English and things like that. But the minute I said, I wanted to live there, Immediately, everyone became cold and said, you need to go. Um, So he's like, my whole, he's like, that last month of me living there, he's like, I was the loneliest I've ever been because everyone was shunning me once they found out I was trying to get citizenship. Yep. Hmm. So there is, there is that aspect of it. Um, All right. So we got that. Let's get into some of the crazy actor stories. Um, You look, you found one. I want you to tell the LaFour story, Joe. Yeah, so the actor who played LaFour's in
1: Mallrats, I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm not even going to try it, so I'm just going to refer to him as LaFour's. Uh, he's actually, uh, he was a bodybuilder, and he was a, a stunt guy, I believe, in a lot of movies. Uh, he met—he meets Steven Seagal and Kelly LeBrock at an airport, and at the time he's dating,
0: I believe, uh, what's her name? Grace Jones. Grace Jones. Yep. Oh, Sven only Thordson. Yes. Yes. Yes, Yes. Yeah. He's in the running man and everything. Yeah. Dude. He was in a Braxis with Jesse Ventura. Yeah. But he'll always be LaFour's
1: to me. He's faster than Walt Flanagan's dog. All right. So, uh, Steven Seagal starts, you know, they shake hands. He starts crush, you know, gripping it tight and not letting go. And he's hurting him. He's like, yes, politely, like stop. Seagull won't stop, so he lays him on his ass, <laughs> embarrassing Seagal, Uh, to the point, like, years later, when he's uh, in on deadly ground, Seagal started fucking with him
0: during fight sequences. <laughs> Are you fucking match. serious? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Okay, so... <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. And the thing is, if you know Sven Only Thornsson, he – I believe him. I believe the guy. I don't believe – yeah, I I don't think he has any reason to lie. He seems like a pretty stand-up dude, so. So I'm going to – I took some of these things from Ranker. And we're also going to get into some of the AMA. But here are some 16 ludicrous stories about Steven Seagal. Um, So when he – claimed to be immune to judo chokeholds and so he had convinced stuntman and martial art legend gene labelle if you know who gene labelle is um he's a legend he's a legend in certain circles if you don't know who he is so he, he was also annoying gene labelle too because he was tagging his stunt guys yes yes so steve okay so gene labelle's the guy who taught Chuck Norris. He was Chuck Norris's master. He taught Ronda Rousey how to wrestle, Roddy Piper, how to wrestle. He was a wrestler who's known as the hangman and his, his, he was the protege of Luthez and Ed Lewis and Carl Gotch. And in 1996 summer Slam. no, I'm kidding. Um- <laughs> My eyes were just glazing over Paul. I know, I know, but yes, it was during out for justice. That he was doing this, and he, you know, he made him unconscious, and shit himself on set. Now Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, said that he was there when that happened as a kid working on a soundstage, and saw this occur. And a couple other people said they saw this occur. So Steven Seagal. There's other people who said it didn't happen to. Uh, yes, yes, yes. There are people who said See, it didn't. See, when happen. you get in
1: the world of Steven Seagal, you're going in murky
0: waters. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, you're, you're basically falling out of a boat into murky waters. Yeah, 100%. Speaking of dropping in the murky waters... Off so, a boat? Off a boat, so... <laughs> During Exit Wounds, I believe it was, with um, uh, Tom Arnold and... Um, uh, DMX? What's the Yeah, DMX. Steven Seagal started to really get in his own ass. Um and the director was like um let's let's you know let's let's we're gonna do what's well, to block game. some shots so basically yeah, the, go ahead John. you're
1: creating an action scene on a boat so you want to block shots and you know you want to get the right shots and you want people to be prepared with the stunts so you know people
0: aren't hurting themselves and falling off the boat right right and steven seagal at this point is being is so far sucked up into his ass. Um, to give you guys an idea for that movie, I think that was one of his, um, exit wounds was, I think about the time that he started doing his own shit. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Not yet. that's exit wounds was the reason why he started doing his own shit. Um, so, He's like, they're like, let, 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 let's, let's do this. And Steven Seagal is sitting there going, just, just film. And they're like, no, no, we need to do this. He's like, just,
1: just, yeah, I, do, don't, I, just I don't, I
0: don't, I don't practice or whatever. <laughs> right. Right. I don't, yeah, let's just do it. So they're like, all right. So they're doing this scene and Steven Seagal's character is like, all right. And then he goes for the door he's not supposed to go to. And Tom Arnold's telling the story and he goes, he goes, I'm going to try, I I was, I stopped myself from stopping him because I needed to see this happen. (laughs) 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 And sure enough, Steven Seagal drops off, falls into the water and he had a, uh, as, um, what they call, um, The Giuliani, like, cause he, (laughs) the hair dye. Cause he was,
1: as Tom Arnold said, he's Mark using a marker to make his hairline
0: look like it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He, he, because he was going bald. So rather than actually doing anything like, like going and getting it and like, you know, using like the plugs, man, just get the plugs if you're that concerned. (laughs) Right. Instead he wasn't even getting the rompo peel fucking spray. He was like using like this black marker shit to do it. So yeah, if you watch, go back to some of the Steven Seagal movies, you will actually see, you can actually see like where the hair stops and the and the black mark begins. It's very, very noticeable. It's almost like the wig and the not wig in um, uh, uh, Samurai Cop. Um, so that occurs. John Leguizamo during executive decision, um, Stephen, he said that Steven Segal came in and said something to the effect of when I'm in the room, I'm in charge. And John Leguizamo thought he was joking and started laughing. And like, like, <laughs> good, you know, good joke, Stephen. Stephen grabbed him, hit him in the stomach, and threw him against the wall, and made it knocked all the wind out of him. And like, everyone around, like, didn't know how to react to this. And this is, a, this is you know, a thing. So, th- there's a lot of darkness there. And that's also one of the things that there's speculation on. John Leguizamo didn't come out and say it directly. But Steven Seagal was pretty much, again, at the height of his career. He'd just done Under Siege, On Deadly Ground, Under Siege 2. He's in this movie. And his role is Greatly uh, diminished, he's killed, like within the first twenty minutes of this movie, and there's thoughts that there was changes in the script because of his behavior behind scenes.
1: I wouldn't doubt it.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it either. Um, so, I don't. Again, a lot of this stuff's leg allegedly, but these are things that people can confirm. Uh, Steven Seagal then starts doing some really bad movies. My giant, not even the trees, Prince of central park, exit wounds, ticker half past dead. And it's at that point he takes his money and starts his own production company (laughs) because no one will work with him anymore. And he does. He's like the original, as you talked about the original, um, Bruce Willis where he's just, Doing his own thing. So not only that, but Joe, did you know that in 2005 he released his second album and launched an energy drink called <laughs> Lightning Bolt? <laughs> I'm all too
1: familiar, Paul. I'm all too familiar. But we're also skipping over. We just skipped over perhaps oh. one of the funniest it. Oh, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Steven Seagal was the worst host of Saturday Night Live. <gasps> yes. According to not only former Senator Al Franken, but Dana Carvey as well, yes, as well as David Spade, (laughs) just about everybody who worked with him on Saturday Night Live hated him. Why don't you tell that story, Paul? It's because it starts with him injecting everything, and it ends with Dana Carvey at a
0: party with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, so I know, okay, I know the Al Franken story better than the Dana Carvey story. So you tell the Dana Carvey story, and I'll tell the the Al Franken story.
1: Okay, so I'm just off memory, you know, I- <laughs> Carvey's on the Howard Stern show, like, not, not too long ago talking about this, in that Seagal, uh, he was like, you know, he hated all the ideas. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to make fun of himself. And they're gonna do a they want to do a Hans and Franz sketch, you know, where they're like, Oh, we're better than Steven Seagal. Like they're the jokes, you know. Yep. And he's taking it personally. He's like, No, your guys are not gonna say that. You're not gonna say you're better than Steven Seagal. Like, <laughs> like that. And then Dana Carvey says at one point, you know, he's staring, he sees Seagal and he's just staring off into space, and <laughs> Steven Seagal just whispers, <laughs> I oh god, I'd kick Arnold I wish Arnold Schwarzenegger was here right now so I can kick his ass.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: and I guess later on David Carve's at like like Planet Hollywood or something, and Schwarzenegger's there with his entourage and he tells the story to Arnold and Arnold's is like, Oh, I'd like to see that happen. I'm <laughs> just laughing it off. Something like that. Like he just dismissed, like
0: barely even. Registers Stephen seagal as a human being. <laughs> yeah, so the Al the Al Franken story, and actually, uh, Steve Odenkirk was writing at the time as well. Bob Odenkirk. Bob, Bob Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk was writing at the time as well, and what happened was uh, so when according to al and i've I've watched other things i've said it live lauren michaels has to be like the liaison he has to be nice to whoever the host is because he's like the bridge so a lot of times people will fall on the sword for lauren michaels to be the bad guy if they're pitching skits or doing things that are not working because lauren has to have this relationship so steven seagal again let's well, I think we'll, we'll we'll segue into some of the dark stuff and then get that all the way and get back to the funny stuff, um, because this really does lean into it and kind of gives credence to some of those dark stories. So they're pitching ideas to, to Stephen and he's saying no, just like Dana Carvey said. And then he's like, well, I got an idea for a sketch. And they're like, OK, let's hear it. We got to say this is in private with Al Franken and Lauren
1: Michaels, because. Uh, Steven Seagal's hating every idea that the
0: mm-hmm. writers
1: are coming up with. So they had to bring him into a special meeting with your thing. Al Frank, he's, he was there the longest and he was one of the, I believe one of the head writers, one of the head writers at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. So they had to have a special sit down because they had to get a show going. Yep. And, he's and rejecting almost everything
0: he's yeah, They're rejecting almost everything. So then they go, okay, Steven, what's your idea? So Victoria Jackson, comes in and I'm a therapist and she's just been raped and she's coming to me to to talk about the rape and get therapy for the rape. And I hypnotize her and then have sex with her. And at the end I tell her she's got to come back. I hypnotize her to make her come back every week. And according to Al Franken, Lauren Michaels is like, "Mm." and that's Al Franken's cue to step up and be the dick and go, So, you want to make the darkest sketch ever.
1: The ugliest. Yeah, yeah, the
0: (laughs) ugliest sketch ever. And want us to air the ugliest sketch in the history of television. That's what it is. The ugliest sketch in the history of television. You don't like any of my ideas. And so that gives way because basically, when you look let's this is the ugly part and i don't want to and i'm not taking away because there's other funny things but let's get just serious for a moment and then um there's a lot of sexual abuse allegations um i mean starting in 1991 without for justice um there are allegations as far as that was concerned um jenny mccarthy has allegations against him. But it wasn't until 1995 when the lawsuits started happening. And there's been several lawsuits over the years. Um, And so there is this really dark side of Steven Seagal. Um, And again, I'm going to say they're all, I mean, there's allegedly, uh, there are things that have been settled out of court um, there are things that have been verified, but just for our legality's sake, I'm going to say, allegedly, there's been a lot of allegations from him, basically from 1991 going all the way to 2017.
1: There's even some allegations going back to his second wife. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, it's all out there. You can just mm-hmm. Google it if you want to know more.
0: Uh, it's dark. It's dark. It's really, really dark. So, needless to say, the SNL episode only aired once. Um, I saw uh, an interview with David Spade at, on Howard Stern. And there was a particular episode, there was a particular sketch with Chris Farley where he plays this biker boyfriend. And the sketch is supposed to be when the family members are are in the room, Steven Seagal is supposed to be acting one way. And when they leave, he's supposed to turn into like this. I was a spy and I was, you know, because that's well, Steven Seagal wanted to be. But when they actually did it, Steven Seagal refused to be silly. So the sketch didn't work and fell dead on the audience because The entire time, even when the other people were coming in to set up the gag that he was supposed to be less happy. Oh, yeah, no, we're just talking. We're just having fun. He's still being Steven Seagal and doing this because Steven Seagal doesn't doesn't joke. So they're
1: also the last sketch of that episode, too, was a (laughs) was a compromise uh, to keep Seagal happy. (laughs) It's basically he goes into a corporate boardroom and beats everybody up for no reason then stares dead eyed in the camera and starts <laughs> ranting about the environment. Yeah.
0: This is what happens when you pollute the planet and the <laughs> it's audience so is so real s- you, can, you silent. can find this clip and it's you, it makes zero sense. Yeah, the it's, audience it's like it's jarring. <laughs> The audience is very like he's expecting like this rounding applause, and the audience is waiting for the punchline. And you can tell when the applause sign lights up because they're like, unser- <laughs> um, the best part describing that. Uh, I think it was I think it was Odin Kirk that was describing it. He said, "You get this, you get this, and it's all his stuntmen except for Phil Hartman, and uh, uh, Kevin Nealon, and everyone else." our stuntman that's never been on the show. So the audience and the, in, don't know the who any of these people, are. they don't know who any of these people are. Like why are these people on set? And yeah, it's stuntmen just so he can throw them around and beat people up. So cut to a couple weeks later. Fucking. <laughs> 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 this Cage, is great. Too. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Nick Cage is, is, is hosting. And on his monologue bit, he was like talking about how it was great being on moonstruck because he got to see um Cher's ass and how it was great being in this movie because he got to see this girl's tits and so then uh, during the monologue uh you know they do like this bit where it's like uh lauren wants to come and see you so he's like oh okay let's go talk to lauren you know the camera goes with and you know he they do this excellent bit where they're pointing out like how that's sexual harassment. And he's like, hey, would you like it if your niece, uh, Sophia Coppola, if someone came on the show and was talking about her body? Oh man, oh God, oh man, you must think I'm the worst host ever. Deadpan Lauren Michaels goes, no, that'd be Steven Seagal. Uh, (laughs) Cut to the Tonight Show. Cut to the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Al Franken set the beyond and it was just him and a band that he could tell. He didn't know what the other person was going to be, but he knew there was going to be someone else. And sure as shit, it's Steven Seagal, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and Steven has the audacity to cut him out, like to ask him right there. Why did, uh, why did Lauren say that about me? And what did Leno do, Joe, he was like, no, nah, it's because you're a big
1: star. You know, you had to, you had to make fun of me you because you're a big star. You know, you're an action star. <laughs> he like, I was just like trying to keep the peace. You know, you don't want Steven Seagal to be beating up Al Franken over something uh, Lauren
0: Michaels said. Right, right, right. And so and Steven Seagal, like an idiot, goes, oh, right. So, yeah, that's
1: the, <laughs> the best part. That excuse makes zero sense. <laughs> That it, it makes zero sense. But, it's, but like it just it, it, it to Seagal it did. So like <laughs> Jay not kept the peace. Yeah. That is just insane that he would be upset. But yeah. again, his skin is so thin he couldn't tolerate being a butt of a joke, even though he is hilariously the butt of the joke that is his life. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, so I I don't know if he's still
1: talking shit about Jean-Claude Van Damme, man.
0: That rivalry is from the 90s. And so there was going to be a fight at At Sylvester Stallone's party. At (laughs) Sylvester Stallone's party, right, right. They are going to fight at Sylvester Sylvester Stallone's party. Well, it was was because Stagall was talking shit. Yep, and so Van Damme had had it and said, let's do this. And Steven Seagal snuck out of the party to avoid the fight. Yeah, and he's still to this day he's like John Claude Van Damme. He's not a
1: he's not a tough guy, and it's like Seagal, like you look like you ate Steven Seagal
0: at this point. Van yeah. Damme still jacked. <laughs> yeah, he goes. He he says, "Hey, let's." He Who's at a, He was at an interview with The Voice, um, <laughs> and this guy said, "Okay, let's talk about Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood tough men is is John Claude Van Damme." Uh, a, a, a tough guy, and Steve gives him a look, and he says, "Do you want me to laugh in your face?" And he said, "Okay, what about who else did he say?" Um, Paka can't remember the other guy. Oh, Michael Jai White is Michael Jai White a tough guy? Do you want me to laugh in your face? Okay, what about Chuck Norris? White
1: is a tough badass man. He was not only was he spawned, he was like the guy that like the Joker killed in the Dark Knight. Yeah the mob boss guy. Like he's, yep. he's awesome. Like He's always like, the thing is, you watch interviews with Michael J. White, he's the most positive guy on earth. Until yeah, like you is. bring up Steven Seagal. <laughs> uh, I, I
0: I don't watch Joe Rogan a whole hell of a lot, but I'm really enjoying Michael J. White. And, I, and there's a story at the gym that Michael J. White kicked a fucking like, kickboxing bag off the fucking chain like he like just destroyed this thing dude's a badass yeah so and then they ask about chuck norris and he's like he's like 70 like do you think he could take me like you know and it's like absolutely steven yeah absolutely absolutely these
1: guys are taking care of themselves like steven seagull's let himself go like oh i've watched
0: interviews like recent interviews he's wheezing sitting down he is wheezing, sitting down. So if you watch any of his newer movies, and I have actually, because again, I've seen a lot of the. He's sitting, films. isn't he? It's not only that he's sitting. Uh, there's a lot of that, but the the cuts and the things are done where they're so tight and it's dark, and it's so quick. And if you you actually will notice that they won't shoot from about the pecs down, um, unless he's wearing like armor or like a lot of layers or things like that Um but there's a lot of scenes where like especially like he, he's with a gun or something he's behind cover you don't see him if he's gonna run it's super like shaky cam to avoid there's a lot of office obfusc- uh, obfuscation going yeah, because on he's, he's fat and like yep.
1: here's the thing it's oh, right, already he's, he's fat it's, shit talking it's, it's fucking... people who are in shape who could kick his ass Mm-hmm. That to me is chef's kiss, man. I, it, he's fucking nuts. And then let's also talk briefly. I mean, check out Tom Segar's stand-up bit on Steven Segal. Yes, yeah. Like a lot of these, like a lot of the stuff. Like for me, like this happened before you even brought it up. I was watching his stand-up. He does the bit about Steven Segal and being a law enforcement officer in Louisiana. <laughs> Yeah, let's, okay, let's talk about that, because, yeah, he... let's do it briefly, because, like, he, he's part of a reality show where he helps cops. hmm I don't he, know, is he, like, specially deputized or something? Like, he's obviously not an official law enforcement officer.
0: I believe he's, spe- I believe he is a deputy. I believe he is deputy? deputized. I believe right, he is so he's a
1: So, as uh, Tom Segura would say, if you get in a bar fight, there's a good chance Steven Seagal will show up to break it
0: <laughs> Yes. Yes. And he was brought in the Maricopa County by Judge by by um, by uh, Sheriff Opio to help train the the
1: Arizona like the reality shows in
0: Louisiana. He was
1: also brought to Arizona
0: for Sheriff Joe's. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So Sheriff Joe started a posse of unpaid volunteers to help assist. And it was a very controversial, it was very oh, controversial. Well, he got booted out of office for this shit. Yeah, this well, for multiple reasons, but this is one of the reasons His why he got-
1: Prison camps, too, that were yep. in
0: Exactly. So here he was training a basically a militia, a unpaid posse, he called it, to help assist police officers. Steven Seagal was brought in to train them on how to take down school shooters. I'm going to repeat that. Sheriff Opio in Maricopa County brought in Stephen actor <laughs> Stephen Sikull to train a posse of unpaid volunteers to help with the police on how to stop a school shooter. You can't make that up, Joe. That is fucking bad shit.
1: Yeah, and Segura had the great thing. It's like, yeah, Steven Seagal's here. Eh, they're signing autographs. Now nah, he's gonna treat just the train like, nah, I'm
0: good. Yeah, right, right. And <laughs> and like one of the like, I watched the thing on it because they did have like it was like it, the the news crew was out there, and he's like, you know, you gotta get in there right away, otherwise you're gonna. And he had to stop himself and think, and he goes, lose children, and um, and he's and the guy like oh my god like yeah so there's that and Um, let's also
1: say he holds citizenships in the united states serbia and russia yes (laughs) currently in russia and he got in some shit too about talking about how the dastardly ukrainians were killing all these russian
0: soldiers yes he has citizenship in there he's also friends with the belize no um uh oh what the fuck is it i want to get this country right um cuz he said he was russian but then he also said he was part of this other country um and he met with their dictator there and ate carrots with him um, <laughs> it's fucking uh, crazy yeah um <laughs> yep he w- he was asked to train by Putin to train the Serbian special forces, Akito. <laughs> Again, is Akito's questionable? Cre- yeah. the
1: practicality of it in a war. I
0: yeah, it's it's fucking nuts, dude. Yeah, it was um it was it was um Belarus. He went to Belarus oh. and and was yes. Uh, met with um, uh, Alexander Lukashenko, um, who was a dictator. Um, oh God. Yeah, yeah, and had like met this guy and like farmed with him and was given watermelons as a gift for coming to meet him. The dictator Lukashenko gave Stephen Seagal watermelons for as a thank you to coming and meeting with him. Mm hmm. Yeah. Shit I, you can't make up,
1: Joe. <laughs> I mean, what do you expect from a guy who demanded a script rewrite because he decided he didn't want to kill anybody on screen?
0: That's another brilliant one. Yeah, they had to convince, like, right away, day one. Steven Day, Seagal, one. day one, they come in, they're like, we got a problem. Steven Seagal is now a pacifist. He doesn't want to, she doesn't want to do this. <laughs> and they're like, what? So they're trying to convince him to do this scene. So they film in a different way. And then they convince him to um um the guy he's
1: supposed to kill there like he's a murderer yep so if yep. you kill him it's stopping him from killing
0: more people more people and, and you're freeing him from his sins and all this shit so they're basically oh, just making shit up just yeah, to just, just to, <laughs> get him to fucking start filming. So what happens is though then later a couple weeks later Steven Seagal starts ad-libbing About having not killed him. Yeah, about about the scene. The scene they shot. shot. And so they had to bring this actor back in to do a voiceover of the scene to make it look like he was a dead. So that way they could just have him yell something like, I'm still alive or whatever. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, that's that's another one. Um, He... (laughs) Uh, the guy lies constantly um about his past so he, here's a really disgusting story joe and maybe you maybe you saw this one this interview where he was he was talking about Bruce Lee and he's like you know they called me when brandon was shot and dying and they're like stephen you know he got shot but it's a blank and i told them i said you're going to get him in the hospital. You're going to find me has a bullet in him. And they're like, Stephen, that's impossible. It can't happen. And he said, I got a call right away the next morning going, Stephen, you're absolutely right. You were 100% correct. How did you know? And I'm going, how the fuck did you? They knew what happened right then and there. Yeah. Are you it was a live round or
1: whatever. It was the, the shell popped out and, yeah. and I'm like a real bullet.
0: Yeah, and, and, and the actor that shot him like quit acting.
1: Yeah, for a long
0: time. For a long a time. A long time. Because of it. So they knew right then and there. Now, did you know also, Joe, that he was given the PETA Humanitarian Award? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's weird. And getting back to that that that, that thing. So I'm going to, Dig in a little bit more here, Joe. And then we're going to move on because we could, yeah, it's just, we've been here for an hour bullshitting about, about him. It's so uh,
1: fucking crazy. That's why, and <laughs> the like, why is, uh, he lies about things. Like there's no reason to lie about. Yeah,
0: and the, this is the, like, we are scratching the surface. There's a lot more stories than this. And me and Joe were passing shit back and forth like all week. Um, yeah, it was, there's so much out there. It's, well, okay, let, let's get to this one. I, I guess I will. He was taking credit for Alexander, um, for Alex Silva's um, front kick in MMA. And he was like, yeah, I taught him that. And like for a couple other things and all these people are going, no, he fuck it didn't. No, he fucking didn't. Didn't he also he, allude that he's won MMA championships when he actually
1: did Yes,
0: yes. Yes. Allegedly,
1: uh, I don't know. I didn't
0: see, but it's just like he takes weird credit for things. So So in his MMA, uh in, excuse me, in his AMA, his Ask Me Anything Reddit, it only lasted about 20 minutes and he bailed <laughs> on it because it was a fucking shit show dumpster fire. Seriously, if you get a chance to do it, go check out um this just Google Steven Seagal. Um and I'm talking to the audience here. Google Steven Seagal, Ask Me Anything, Reddit click and change sort by QA, and you are going to be in a fucking gold mine of crazy shit. Um, one of the things he says is, do you think it is uh, someone asked him, do you think it is possible to kill someone with a credit card? 1 million percent possible. If the credit card has been modified. It's a very easy thing to do is one of the questions he had. Um, one of the questions that he has cast was, I was wondering if you've ever heard of your mom's house podcast. <laughs> That's a girl Sakura is a huge fan and would love to have you on. They have a pretty large listenership and talk about you all the time. So my question would be, if you ever consider going on the podcast, I'm open to anything. Um
1: that would be amazing.
0: It would be amazing, right? Here's another question in the AMA. Mr. Seagal, would you rather fight 100 mice-sized Steven Seagal's or one Steven Seagal-sized mouse? And Steven Seagal said, one body rather than 100. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this guy. Um... You you are you are planning to make a lot of movies scheduled for this year. What is your current biggest drive that motivates you? I am a champion and I want to remain a champion. Um would you be champion down champion of what? Champion of what? And uh he goes, um uh you know what are you know what 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 motivates you you know like like as a buddhist he goes i am a buddhist the aspects that i value the most humility and compassion <laughs> humility. humility you say steven <laughs>
1: the guy who uh demanded why lord michaels made a joke about him you, <laughs> weeks I, after he hosted snl
0: <laughs> um a, a kid asks um do you have any pets and if so what is his name I have horses and I have dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you really the king of improv? I don't think so. Uh, there's just crazy thing, crazy things here. So I also want to get into if you know who the um, uh, actor or the the uh, uh, Jack Whitehall is. Um, he does a Netflix show. He's a British comedian called Travels With My Father. And he happened to be in Bangkok and Steven Seagal was staying at the hotel that he was at. And the producers were like, we need to, like, we need to get Steven Seagal. So he meets with Steven Seagal and he talks to him and he's like, you know, and, and Steven Seagal offers, he's like, do you want me on your show? And he's like, yeah, I do. I do. He's like, okay. He's like, come on this day and ask me uh what the secret what what the secret of zen is okay so they he, you know he's like by the way my can i bring my dad my dad's a huge fan and that's part of the show he's like yeah fine whatever and so <laughs> steven you know like do this thing and he's like oh steven you know one last question for you what is the secret to mastering zen without warning without telling him steven seagal throws him into a fucking like pond that they're by Just throws him in the pond and like Jack Jack Whitehall has talked about the story. He's like, I was fucking pissed. I was mic'd up. I had no idea that this is what he was going to do. He just got in the car and fucking drove off and we didn't see him again. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So. A lot of humility, Paul. A lot of humility. So anyways, guys, that is, that is the, the, the Steven Seagal. That's just the scratching of the surface. Guys, this is a rabbit hole of rabbit holes that I would encourage anyone to go down. Yeah. Um, It is so much fun, and you will enjoy it. Um, He has never been nominated for any awards other than the Golden Raspberry Awards. I was going to say that he had
1: to have been nominated for a Razzie.
0: (laughs) He was nominated for On Deadly Ground, for Executive Decision, for Fire Down Below, and Half Past Dead. But, Joe... Let's get to the main attraction. What about his? Also, oh, yes, go ahead. YouTube
1: Steven Seagal running. It's hilarious. Yes. The man yes. doesn't know how to run.
0: Man his arms doesn't...
1: flail. While I just, it, I can't even describe it. You just got to check it out.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, do it. It's brilliant. There's a whole thing on it. Um, a lot of it. There's a know. lot of things. I, I forget who it was. Someone told him like, just don't run in movies anymore. Like someone else famous um, told them don't run. Like, I don't know if it was Sylvester Stallone or I think it was Sly. I think it was Sly said, "Uh, yeah, maybe you shouldn't uh, film them running you anymore, though. Like something like that. But Joe, today's main attraction an hour into our podcast about music is Songs from the Crystal Cave. Joe, let's just... Let's get through this. Um, it's a bad album.
1: <laughs> it's uh, it's I, I, as confusing as all the stories we just went over. Uh, yeah, let's get into it. It's a it's a bad R and B slash world beat slash reggae album. Well, and with a lot of
0: questionable things going on in it. <laughs> a lot of questionable things on it. Now, uh, 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 on the wiki, um, it is described as. Outsider country meets world music meets Aikido, Um, with a mixture of rock, reggae, and country music. I don't uh, hear the country on here. I, I don't mean, hear the country. I either. hear
1: bad R&B, bad blues, bad, really bad blues. Bad blues.
0: and like southern blues. That's what I hear. I
1: don't hear country. And, like, holy fuck, what
0: kind of reggae
1: is, you know, like, I feel like I was offended. Yeah. <laughs> I was and this, right this, offended by this album ball.
0: Let's keep in mind that there are one, two, three, four, five, six producers on this album, including Steven himself. Um, all right. So we'll go track by track here. Uh, so and let's not forget that some of his songs of this on this album were used, of course, in his movie Into the Sun. Um, starting with the track. Girl, it's all right. I Joe, know,
1: Sam, this is like. A crappy hip-hop version of More Than Words.
0: <laughs> That's... I have written in my notes, it's an Eric Clapton, More Than Words rip-off. Yep. Just makes me angry. Those are literally my
1: words. All right. Now, uh, Don't You Cry. Uh, crappy 90s guitar. And mm-hmm. for some reason, he has
0: echo on his voice, but only for certain words. Only for certain words. I will admit... This is the best song on the album, <laughs>
1: hands oh, down. That's like saying, like, I what's better, like diarrhea or violent vomiting? Like, it's it's not pleasant, no matter which way you.
0: <laughs> well, and and I, you know, the solo in it, right? Like, well, not the solo, but like that guitar, the na 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 Like, it reminded me of Tenacious D, like the one note song. Um. But then yeah, it but does it's like not, that was meant as a joke. That was meant as a joke. But I said I sent it to a friend of mine and I said, "Why does the song remind me that like why does it make why do I think that someone from um Oasis and someone from Semisonic worked on the song with him?" Um and, 90s because of the 90s, I have a smack of crappy 90s guitar was my yeah. first note on it <laughs> yeah and that's what it is now i talked to my daughter i was let make make her listen to it my daughter said the same thing i did she's like that it's not a it's musically like like it's not horrible she said but his voice makes it really bad it's musically it's generic it's generic it's almost music to it, me it's average and the sad thing is when your five is your best on your album out of ten you got a problem right um, he had a problem with all this
1: album's just problematic, Paul. It's let's very just, problematic.
0: So let's get next into uh mu- oh well, I, I suppose I I, I, I I gotta do this Joe. I'm gonna jump back a little bit. So let's talk about lyrics. Girl, it's all right. Yeah, um once these there lyrics
1: was a, are generic, Paul. <laughs>
0: Once there was a king who lived in a foreign land, had riches in gold, the envy of every man. He somehow missed out on what I have now. Because if I dream in this world, you're all I ever need. Girl, it's all right by me. Generic garbage. Generic garbage. This, I got to laugh, though, again, going back to um, Don't You Cry. It is the most narcissistic love song for someone ever. Like, Would you feel the same if I was invisible, untouchable? Would you call my name if you you no longer see my face? Which isn't bad. Again, average. I would look at that as like an average love song. But then we get to the narcissism. I won't be far away. I'll be in your ocean. I'll live in the sky. I'll be here forever. Don't you cry. There's no separation between you and I. I'll be here forever. Don't you cry. I'll never die. Yeah, well, that's not how you write a love song. <laughs> well,
1: narcissism comes later on with not for sale. We'll get we'll, to that. We'll but get to that. Up next, we have music, which is he has he's relying heavily on backup singers. And these lyrics are lyrics in the whole album are fucking terrible. Here's one of the lines demolish the violence of ignorance. And I literally had to type out. Was that a lie? Right, 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 right. Yeah. Then it
0: has a reggae hip hop breakdown for no reason. For no reason. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Um one of the other things with this is um uh, I have written here for music everything that is wrong that everything that Roger Roger Waters does wrong in his solo albums but made worse. Yeah. That is what just, I look, like
1: doubles down.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Next we have Better Man, which was uh, I wrote right away. Pearl Jam and Taylor Swift did their version. Better. They both have songs called Better Man.
0: (laughs) Oh no, Joe. It gets better. It gets better. Listen to the opening of Better Man, and then listen to Nickelback's Photograph. Nickelback stole from Steven Seagal. Sure, Photograph didn't come out before. Came out a year later. Came out a year later. Uh, Nickelback, you know are, Paul. Yeah. And here's the funny thing. This was this was recorded in a Canadian studio. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Conspiracies theory. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. You guys listen to this and understand that Nickelback is so bad. They stole from Steven Seagal.
1: <laughs> well, let's get to an egregiously bad song now. Oh. Route 23, where he tries to be a blues man. Oh my not god. only that. Oh uh, my god. It's generic. It's basically every it's, it feels like I wrote in it it's like a parody of a biopic of a blues person like in the vein of walk hard. Uh-huh. Of how bad it is. And he's talking about coal mines. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he refers it to as this here blues. This here blues. He's using yep. the vernacular of like what he uh, thinks a bluesman sounds like. Yep. I ended my notes with,
0: holy shit. Yeah, I, I wrote this down as rich, white man, blues, vapid and gross. Yeah. Um, this is here's
1: the person who we would, you would hear at Legends Bar in St. Cloud
0: <laughs> on it, blues night. This is, yeah, it is. It is. It's worse than what you would hear there. And that was some really white people blues. My daddy people came from far away. Mama lived on the porch of the rich folks. My daddy had to work to pay. Alec, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me right now, Stephen? Um, we were told it was up Route 23, Black Love. What I, the fuck are you doing? I suppose you
1: didn't start this. Sir? Start <laughs> the song off with the same intro to The Jerk. I was born a poor black
0: child. Right? Right? Well, remember, he was in a black, fucking all black. Blues band, band in, in Detroit, in when, Detroit he was when he was four years younger old. than five years old. Yeah. It had to be, it had to be because again, he moved to California when he was like six. So yeah, it had to be when he was four or five, he was on stage in an all black fucking blues band. Good for him real quick. I also want to, uh, well, no, I'm not going to get in that story, but look up the story about um, how he treated Jamaican people on um, Mark for death Um, and how he was actually going about, um, hiring people on that one. It's really gross. Next we get my God, Joe. Oh Lord,
1: you're so big, so very large. We're all very impressed by how big you are. Like he's like, I just went straight to the Monty Python meaning of life for the, it sounds like the priest is talking about a dick. Yes. Because he okay. literally says, my God is better than your God. My God is bigger than your God. Uh, <laughs> like, bigger? Like, yeah. What? <laughs> the fuck uh, does that even mean?
0: <laughs> yeah, my God is bigger than yours. So He's
1: trying to make a statement here. But the statement makes about as much sense as that SNL skit where he looks right in the camera and starts talking about the environment. <laughs>
0: Yes, now I, I'm going to say Now first of all, let's, let's talk about that Supposedly Steven, Stevie Wonder came in And did guitar, I mean did a, a harmonica On this, I I don't think so Almost but,
1: every other instrument known to man Being on this, this was a way overproduced
0: Track Way, way, way overproduced track
1: I need 50,000 didgeridoos
0: <laughs> And this song, the reason why Because this song was produced by Steven himself um, Allegedly Allegedly so, with, Steve, with Stevie Wonder, allegedly. Like, he lies so much, I don't even know if Stevie Wonder was actually on this track. And I don't think Stevie Wonder cared enough. I think he's like, whatever, Steven's gonna Steven. Um, so, I'm gonna say something about this song, because I did hear... I read a, another review about this, and someone was like, Oh my god, this is the most offensive song I've ever heard. <laughs> because he's this is like the most... You know what he's saying about how his religion is better than... And I'm going... Uh, I think you're looking at it from the wrong lens. Though Steven's not right. He's not really good at articulating. Have you seen his movies? I think I, he's critiquing religion. He's critiquing religion. He's not very good at it. But this is a critique. This isn't him saying, this isn't him literally like, saying, yeah, my God. It's like God when he's
1: is, saying my God is bigger than your, better than your God. He's going from the
0: like the point of view of like, you know.
1: An asshole. An asshole. Zeal it. Yes. Zeal it.
0: Yes, yes. He's not condoning it. He is condemning it. He's just not good at it. Uh, <laughs> oh, so, he's terrible at it. He's terrible at it. <laughs> he should it. not be doing this, Paul. No, no. But I will say there's... He should is, just write this as a poem and keep it to himself. Uh, say Yeah. Uh, well, le- oh, God. Speaking of writing as a poem, I got to jump to this story because it's a quick one. So Stephen was, was uh, uh, reached out to his agent. And, um, he, uh, was crying and his agent's like, what's going on? And Steven said, I just read the most beautiful, wonderful script I've ever read. And his agent's like, that's amazing. Who wrote it? I did.
1: (laughs) Yep. And and if you, you've been listening to the past hour plus up to this point, that should have not have been a a big (laughs)
0: reveal. That should not have been a big reveal. I will say i you know there are things in this there are things in this one like you know i, I get what he's trying to do so i do think that honestly that other um review that other review which was a professional review by the way I um that. i just think they were looking for things to hate the album on yeah and just you know i yeah, think other was a- songs I, I get what he's trying to do mm-hmm. we'll
1: get to that with the most the song Agreed. that i've just found yep. fucking hilarious yep Yep. But like I get what he's doing, but it's not it, the execution is bad. He's not you know, he's not a musician or a lyricist or anything. Um no uh, he's time. not good at this, much like he's not good at acting or being allegedly a decent human being, but
0: Yeah. And then, you good. know what? Well, it's too late now because we've already got past that point, so I'm not even gonna bother trying to trying to address the Steven Seagal apologists that are out there online. Go fuck yourselves. A lot of them
1: people can you know, there's a lot of them, yep. you know, whatever it's their thing. And I, you don't like, you know, it's one of those things. Like you, it, it sucks when you find out people you respect and like, where a celebrity are, turn out to be real
0: shit bags, but yeah. Cognitive dissonance is a real thing. And I'm sorry. Yeah. You're dealing with it. Yeah. Um, next we get lollipop. One
1: Jesus of the only
0: Christ. cover songs on the album that he has
1: the audacity to put his name as a put culminator. his name on it.
0: Joe, he says he wrote it. (laughs) That's technically a cover. It's technically a cover. And I I, I will say, it's awful. It's a Um, reggae
1: hip-hop song. My first note is, oh, what the hell is this? (laughs) He's he's singing in a Jamaican accent, which uh, I, I... yeah, you know, maybe I'm just, you know, a
0: snowflake. He's offended by things, but
1: that's kind of offensive.
0: That's kind of offensive. That's kind of, he's kind got, of offensive. That's offensive. And he's got Lieutenant Stitchy on it. Um, if you don't know who Lieutenant Stitchy is, don't feel bad. He was a dance floor reggae DJ up until the mid 90s, uh, which then he um, converted from Rastafarian to Christianity because um, he had a near fatal car crash and became and basically invented gospel um gospel reggae
1: I mean when people go through experiences like
0: that it's not shocking
1: it's not I mean, shocking no. but let's all start with the most egregious part about this song
0: it's five minutes long it's five minutes long yeah it does not need to be five minutes fucking long fuck you fuck you Steven uh Joe not for sale buddy
1: yeah, uh yeah, he's uh basically how he's not for sale. <laughs> like his mind is not for He's listing things that would technically never even be for sale. Yep. Which yep. is just weird. And it's another reggae song.
0: Don't and a,
1: it should have stayed in the crystal cave.
0: <laughs> Let's just say a lot
1: of these songs he should have kept back in his crystal cave. Yeah. Because like he's talking about things that are for sale, like his mind and his heart and his reputation. Your reputation is never gonna be for sale.
0: Well That's you know and- one of those
1: things you can't sell. The only thing you can do is tarnish your own reputation.
0: Well, and let's say here, you know, he talks about you can't, you know, um, you you think that your uh, transgressions can be settled by money. Send me legal letters. Impress me with your paper laws and greed. Paper lawmaker. Interestingly enough, because in 2020, uh, he got fucked by the securities file for a federal securities violation settlement for Bitcoin. Um, So, Man. And so, yeah, like, this is another one where I
1: get what he's trying. Like, he's a. He's his own man. He mm-hmm. doesn't answer to anybody, but it's done in such a bizarre way <laughs> that uh, you're just your jaw drops and you're like, "What the fuck is this? What is happening?"
0: Yes, yes, it's fucking weird. It's not okay. Next we got dance.
1: Oh, where he sings in a Middle Eastern accent.
0: Joe, Joe, I hate this. And again, it's what is the thing I hate the most? you repeat the same shit over and over.
1: You know what I hate more than that? Steven (laughs) Seagal.
0: Yes, sir. (laughs)
1: He's singing in a Middle Eastern accent in this.
0: Fuck this guy. And uh,
1: he has Arabic uh, flourishes in here, which, you know, I like uh, Middle Eastern style. I love Middle Eastern. I love it. I love it. it. And here I just I, I was just offended all off.
0: <laughs> I, I just you know what? If you're gonna do it, do it right. Don't fucking suck at it. Yeah. Um so there's that. And next we get Jealousy with Lady. Oh god, Sa. this was the worst song for this me. This is bad. This is bad. Go ahead, Joe.
1: So yeah, he's uh, everybody's jealous of him.
0: <laughs> he's yep.
1: talking about selling stuff to the tabloids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh he complains about how the about journalism and how the forefathers would be rolling in their graves because uh, people are using the Constitution as a weapon. Yep. Guess what? The Constitution was intended to be a weapon of sorts. Yep. So he doesn't understand the United States Constitution. Doesn't like the Fifth Amendment. Yeah. Doesn't like yep. any of them. Honestly. Doesn't
0: like any of them. Yep. Uh, it- Allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly.
1: Speaking of allegedly, with the Jamaican reporter gone, he's arguing because it's like a little skit, which yep. I'm surprised didn't end with him staring right at the camera, oh my <laughs> talking God. about the environment.
0: This is what happens when you pollute the planet. Um, speaking of lawsuits, did you? Like remember yeah. Let, like,
1: but at this point, he wasn't even in the tabloids, was he? 2005
0: yeah. was he even a thing? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Remember, you got to yeah. understand nobody Joe, there, cared at this point. 2005, there was the gave a shit about him. There was the allegations that were still coming out and things like that. So yeah, yeah but like he was, <sighs> yeah. And I, I there was the extortion. Think there was it. the whole extortion situation that occurred that kind of came out in the in the 2000s and. He had ended up. Uh, there was just there. There was a lot of things that were settled on a court, um, basically around um, Nassau, um, Julius Nassau, and all this other stuff. Yeah, it's really, it's really fucked up. Um, so, but let's also not forget too, Joe, that Steven Seagal did get in trouble um, when he uh, took part of a county raid. In an army surplus tank and ran over someone's dog. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Trying to break up a supposed cock mm-hmm. ring fight that didn't exist—a cockfighting ring that didn't exist at the house. uh Next, we got war featuring Lieutenant Stitch again, Joe. What'd you think of that one? The head. Yeah, and he's just singing in the Jamaican accent again. Yeah, accent again and again. You got Lieutenant. And it's Stitch. like if you're gonna do a a song in a jamaican accent called war why not cover bob marley's good one good point or, or, or edwin Starr. do edwin star um yeah. what'd you think of gory well we got strut oh yes we got strut i'm sorry strut i'm forgetting strut Fuck i forgot strut. strut and i just uh, i know it was another reggae song. <laughs> jesus christ like, he
1: went heavy on reggae here in the toward the end of this album and i don't understand why he's not good at it
0: girl you really want all night me want the buddy make me feel nice boy you really want it all night me want the poonanny see see for make nice fuck you dude fuck you because her clothes are just as pretty. they don't just cover her kitty wow Mm mm-hmm yeah, all oh, right, no, dude. Let's, let's just go to Gory Yeah, let's go to Gory
1: This, this is another man. back
0: into the Clapton R&B shit
1: And he's singing in falsetto
0: Yeah, and again He's singing about slave drivers Fuck you, dude <laughs> Fuck you You pile of shit This is just out of control Wrong Slave driver, I know you don't want no part of me Slave driver, won't you open up your heart to me Slave driver, why won't you look right through me? Okay, white man, tell me again. <laughs> and let's not forget about the weird-ass world beat drum breakdown. <laughs> and the weird psychedelic, like, flanger on the fucking song that doesn't fit. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, bad. And we get ending with The Light. Yeah. I just said, this is a keto weird fake the vocals transcendental with the Backup
1: vocalists at one point. Joe. They're both going they're singing both in like each side of the headphones and it's like they're competing and it
0: it doesn't work.
1: And then he starts kind of rapping.
0: Yeah. yes Steven's like okay. Oh my God, it's uh, so bad. It's so bad and the lyrics are just Ice Cube. He is not Paul. no, no. No, dude, this guy isn't even snow from Canada. This guy's not. 12 inches of snow, Paul. 12 inches of snow. You know, actually, he's doing really well in Canada. Actually, he has like like 13 albums and still going strong up there. Good for him. Yeah, I don't care, Paul. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm happy for the guy, but you know. I'm not. <laughs> well, that's fine. You don't have to be. But you know what I'm happy about, Joe? We got through this fucking album. Joe, what did you think of? <laughs> so we usually listen to these albums
1: a bunch of times mm-hmm. prepare. I yep. listened to this once. I could not put myself through it twice.
0: I listened to it three times. However, I will admit, once it got to about dance through the light, I didn't listen to those songs more than twice. Um, I got enough when I got those ones, but like the first half, I was like, Okay, I can somewhat I'm handle this. I'm surprised your family just didn't kick you out of your house. <laughs> A lot of this was done in my car, Joe. Um, <laughs> it was. I, I will say, me. my kids were begging me not to play it. Uh, were are at one point. They're like, "Dad, don't play this album. Just don't fucking play the album again." My that was coming from my 15 year old. That, that was a literal quote. Literal quote from her. Don't fucking play this album again. I'm like, don't talk to me that way. Um, oh no, she's in the right here. <laughs> I, I knew. I knew she was in the right. Now, I do want to say that he came out with another album called Mojo Priest. Believe me that it is worse than this one.
1: That's hard to believe, Paul. And you know what? I'm not even going to...
0: I'm just going to take your word for it. I I went easy on us because I could have done Mojo Priest, and that was the worst. But this was the better of the two. So, Joe, would you recommend Steven Seagal's Songs from the Crystal Cave? Oh, God, no. No, Paul. No, No, this was... This was bad. This is for me. It was probably the worst album we did. This was not as bad as Pat Boone. Like this is for you, for you, for, for me. Pat Boone's the worst album. This is the second worst album. Yeah, the reason me. why is because I got more entertainment out of this one because of the Steven Seagal stories and the comedy yeah. and the bits out of it.
1: Yeah, so, musically,
0: though, I was more grumpy about this one. So this is this is the worst one.
1: Then Lindsey Buckingham. Then
0: pat boone for me no it, for me it's lindsey buck it's it me to be not lindsey i love i actually like that album it's um it's pat boone it's this one and i think amanda lear is the third one. Oh no, saint anger oh god i totally got it. oh thank you no saint anger no saint, <laughs> anger's, saint angers down there Ooh, this this might actually be above Saint Anger. This it might actually be Pat Boone Saint Anger in this.
1: <laughs> yeah, this uh, is yeah, dead bottom for me. Paul. No, this no,
0: no, no. This is it's Pat Boone Saint Anger. This Amanda Lear. Yeah, that's where I'm at at this point. Um. So no, I mean I even as a curiosity. Again, I have a thing for. We're gonna do more of this, more of these styles where it's gonna be an actor or someone that had no business, a celebrity that's not a musician making a musical album. Um, this is kind of one of those ones of like full-on train wreck. Don Johnson has one that's close, but honestly, that's not as bad as this. <laughs> um, um, I The song Don't You Cry, I think, is the only one that – And I wonder if it's just because I'm a
1: playlist Paul.
0: I, I, I'm not, but I think because I have Stockholm from listening to this one, it's the best song on the album. So for me, I go, it's the one track to check out because you're going to laugh when you listen to it because it is Steven Seagal singing, but it's the one that's not going to hurt you the most. It's the most inoffensive, the most generic, the most whatever. Like you would hear it like on a fucking like pop, like like a light rock, yacht rock station. Um, so if you are curious about it, really stick to that um maybe my god not even stevie wonder fans should go there though um yeah this is bad this was bad joe all right joe well let's get the plugs and get the hell out of here because this is honestly one of our longest podcasts we've done on album it had to be it had to be and we didn't even scratch the fucking surface there's more people. Go down the Steven Seagal rabbit hole. So my question is, Joe, what do you guys got going on at the Joe Down?
1: Uh, we're still uh, – we'll be doing the review here soon for Cool as Ice. So
0: Fuck. I'm so excited for that. Fuck.
1: All right. uh, hey, Paul, you want to know what we're listening to next? I do. I do. I do. I do. Because, uh, you know,
0: you put me in a mood. <laughs> I, <laughs> I sure a did mood put is for you in more, a mood. More celebrity albums. Cool. <laughs> I knew I was in the mood. All right, what do we got? What do we got? We're
1: going back to 1998, Paul. We're going to go with Joe Pesci's Vincent LaGuardia Gambini Sings Just
0: For You. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're damn right we are. It's a bitch's day, dude. It's a motherfucking bitch's day. Yeah, we are. (laughs) <laughs> I know this album very well, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I could go do it right now if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> we, could, we could go right into this album right now if you want to, because I know this one front and back. Um, oh, yeah, with the T-Bone produced this one. Absolutely, sir. Yeah, fucking Blondie. All right. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. I'm fucking excited for this one, dude. uh Yeah, and you know it's his second album, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm excited, Joe. I'm happy with yeah, that. He's in, the, he's in the persona of his character, my
1: cousin Vinny. My
0: cousin Vinny. Yeah, Vincent Laguardia Gambini. Yes, hundred percent. So good. So it has good. A parental
1: advisory sticker on
0: it. <laughs> You're fucking right. Dude, it's a goddamn bitch's day. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um, oh, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, yo, Cousin Vinny. <laughs> yo, Cousin Vinny. <laughs> Three versions on the album, Paul. English, <laughs> Italian, and Spanish. Yep. 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 Oh yes, yeah, multiple, multiple language. Oh, it's the bitches that will get you. That's what it, I, I keep thinking. It's the bitches day. It's the bitches that will get you. That's what it is. Um, yes, it's uh, yeah, oh yeah, Robbie, Robbie Hood, dude, we are in for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Take your love and shove it, Joe. <laughs> All right, Joe, do you want to take us out, sir? No. This has been Rate That Album with Paul Muad'Dib and Joe Fremming. Thank you for listening.